with me today for the reading of God's Word. Are you ready for the Word of the Lord this morning? Good. If you're not, it's coming anyway. Mark chapter 4, our fifth and final installment on our series, The Many Faces of Fear. It is my desire that as we have systematically looked at the Word of God and studied what God says concerning the subject, that we would cooperate with the Lord Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and be fearless, without fear. Fearless does not mean ignorant of danger. It does not mean uh, charging a man with a bazooka with no concern for life or health. That's not fearless, that's stupid. But fearless is the person that wakes up each day not expecting evil but expecting good. When he hears negative reports, he understands that life is going to happen to him. He's not exempt from tragedy or trial or difficulty. But he says within himself with a clarity and assurance that the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. There's a courage about the day and tomorrow that comes from knowing that the Lord God is with us. In Mark chapter 4 verse 35, it's a parallel story, similar but different to the last story we read about the disciples in a boat. Storms always hitting them when they're in the boat. In between security and destination, there was trouble. And storms happened to them in the middle. And storms happened to them in the darkness of night. And this story brings out another side. The, the first story when Jesus walked on the water was more about him. But this is more about us. And that's what I want to read to you this morning. Mark four thirty-five. And the same day when evening was come, Jesus said unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they sent the multitude away, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And Jesus was in the back part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he turned to them and said, he gave them this question. Why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They never answered that question. Why are you so fearful? And it's probably the unanswered question in some of your lives today. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God hath not given us the spirit of fear, which means the mental disposition. God has not given us the mental disposition of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. God does not give us the mental disposition of being afraid, but he gives us the power to reason. And the power to logically exercise our faculties saying, I know who God is. And we overlay who God is to what we're going through and we live without fear. I want to speak to you this morning for just a few moments on the subject of the root of all fear. Unbelief. And by the time we leave, may God along with our willingness uproot this attitude of mine in our heart. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you this morning uh, for the opportunity and the privilege. I thank you for the opportunity and privilege 
And I ask you for the power of your Holy Spirit to rest on my words. That I would speak with clarity and power and with great anointing. That people would leave saying of a surety today, I heard from the Lord. Take fear from our life, O Lord. And fill us with courage that comes from knowing you and knowing your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. All that which will not bear to be tested is mere mortal confidence. Fair weather faith is no faith at all. Real faith in Jesus Christ can trust him when it cannot trace him and believe him when it cannot see him. Jesus pitied the disciples because this storm made them so much unlike him. He's asleep. They're awake. He is confident. They are fearful. He is calm. They are at unease. And when God sees us living fearful as Christians, he pities us because we're so much unlike him. Jesus pitied the disciples because it made them so much unlike themselves. They weren't fearful people. They were bold in the Lord God. And fear will make you act outside of how you normally act. Make you reason differently than you normally reason. Jesus pitied them because their fears had made them unhappy, robbing them of peace, trust, and joy. Their fears were causing them more pain than death itself would have cost them. We feel a thousand deaths in fearing only one of them. To die is nothing compared to fearing death. Their fears had darkened their countenance and made them unkind. Their belief was unreasonable. It grieved God and it was inconsistent with their past experiences. We all struggle with doubts, but we should not struggle with unbelief. We all struggle with doubts and doubts means the moment between the stimuli of danger and the processing of the word of God and taking on the spirit of God and eradicating our doubts. Don't get rid of your doubts, work through them. But there's a difference between doubts coming upon you and you acting in faith and living in fear. The root cause of everything you're afraid of is unbelief. Your problem is not your problem. Your problem is that you don't believe God is who he said he is. And that God will not do what he said he would do. Because if God, not a grown up version of you, but God Almighty lives with you and in you, and for you, and is active, what would you ever be afraid of? There are a few points in this passage that I want to just bring out briefly. This is probably one of my favorite verses of Scripture. I've preached this passage many, many times in many different avenues, but it's just so rich and pregnant with truth, and I felt it would be a great way to summarize this series on fear. And let's look at the disciples. What what did their unbelief look like? How, how is unbelief given firm footing? Why did they not just reject it? What does it look like? And here's the first one. We give in to fear when we doubt God's nearness. If you're taking notes. When we doubt God's nearness. Keep your Bible open and look at verse 35. Jesus said, let us. Not you go. But let us go. If God is with us, then all that God is and all that he has is present with us as well. 
If God is with us, then he will not forsake us. And if God is with us, he will not fail us. If God is with us, he will be responsible for us. And if God is with us, we shall not and should not be afraid. Jesus said, let us. I'm thankful that the Lord didn't just save me and point to a destination called heaven and say, get on with it. In every avenue of your life, when he saved you, he invited you into grace. And he said, let us experience grace together. He brought you out of bondages and he said, let us do this. He didn't just equip me with energy. He took me by the hand and walked me out of every transition in my life and journeyed with me. Christianity is not a list of things I'm supposed to accomplish. It's a journey with the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit. And not one accomplishment was made on my own. Not one deliverance was made on my own. My victories, my progress were not an, uh, an expression of my courage or a disposition of commitment. It was oftentimes him pulling me forward saying, us, we're going to do this. We're coming out of that addiction. Come on, we're coming forward. We're coming out of brokenness into healing. Let us go to the other side. And when you think you're on your own and he's just pointed to a destination, you can become very fearful because you quickly learn your limitations. And you quickly learn your lack of control. And you quickly learn that you are not God and you truly have no power to keep anything intact. I love the statement, let us. Psalms 91 says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. How often I would have gathered you together, Jesus said, as a mother hen would its chicks, but you would not. Psalms 125.2 said, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from this day forward and forevermore. Psalms 139, David said, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take up the wings of the morning and dwell in the bottom of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. The older I get, my life wisdom gets narrower and narrower. When you first start out, you think you know everything. And the older you get, you just know a few things. But baby, them few things you know, you're unshakable on them. And I'm going to tell you one of my top five right now. I am never alone. I am never alone at any time, in any season, in any situation. If my feeler don't work, irrelevant. The Lord God is with me and he shall sustain me and preserve me from all evil. Never alone. Some of you need to put on your refrigerator two words on a big piece of paper. Let us and underline us. And when God says, let something be, it bees. I don't know if that's good grammar, but it'll work for me. Let, let it be. God speaks over you. Let it go. Let it be made new. God addresses the same fears in the same way he addressed the disciples in the story of the previous storm. He walked on the water to them and said, it's me. Be not afraid. It's I, be not afraid. God deals with your fears, not by eliminating the stimuli. He lets the storm rage and walks in the middle of your storm and gives you a glimpse of who he is. All he said was, it's me. Stop being afraid. Our problem is not our problem. Our problem is that we do not see the Lord Jesus clearly. And we don't believe that he is who he said he is. 
Because Jesus' boats don't sink. Jesus' boats do not sink. The cure for your fear is not a better view, but better vision. I'll say that again. The cure for your fear is not a better view or a better environment, but better vision to see the Lord. The man who sees Jesus can walk on top of what other people are scared of. Jesus said, let us. I wonder if you're afraid today in whatever area you're fearful in because you see it as let me instead of let us. I want to impart to my little girls. And I'm already feeling my limitation because you don't know how long you're going to live. You, you only have so many resources. You only have so much time. You only have so much energy. But I, want, I can't wait for them to process and understand. As long as you got me, sugar, you're fine. I want them to know I will always be there. I will be there when you wake up. I will be there when you go to bed. I'll be there when you're disappointed. I'll be there when you're confused. I'll be there at the school when that bully pushed pushed you over and I thank the Lord I didn't push him back. I'll be there to tell the teacher, y'all better do something before I go off up in here on somebody. I'll be here. And they'll see their father get grayer and they'll see him get weaker. So see, the type breaks down. But my father is from age to age. He never gets old. He has no limitations. He walks with me. And if you being evil would do it for your children... What do you think God wants you to know? He wants you to walk in a confidence that the Lord is with me whithersoever I go. And he will never leave me nor forsake me. Confidence comes when you feel the shadow come over you. The shadow means it's close enough to me to cast a shadow and it's bigger than me. And he that dwelleth in the shadow of the almighty God knows that to get to me, you got to get through him. And I like my odds. Isn't that good? Number two, fear comes when you doubt his word. Jesus told them, let's pass over to the other side. Let us pass over to the other side. Where did he say they were going? Okay, so that's his word. Your Bible you hold was not written so you could get all the stories right. It was to impart to you God's Views concerning you and his promises giving to you, by the way, exceeding great and precious promises. If he said, let's go to the other side, to the other side you're going to go. Rest comes from knowing that whatever insufficiency I have in getting to the other side, since it was his idea, he'll make up the difference. If God gave you his word on something, it's his word. God cannot lie. Let me give you the verse on that for those of you taking notes. Hebrews 6, 18, it's impossible for God to lie. Psalms 119, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Luke 21, 33, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. If God spoke something to you about your children, and every report comes from school differently than that, God's going to have to do something to rewrite the report because God will keep his promises to you about your family. He will keep his promises to you about your provision. He will keep his promises to you about every subject that he gave you his word on. He can't lie. Not that he's so holy he won't lie. Can't lie. Y'all have heard me now 20 years. This is the best illustration I have for this because it fits perfectly. If the Lord were to speak from heaven and said, John Wood, you are a woman. 
Someone would say, oh, the Lord wouldn't say that because he can't tell a lie. No, I'd become one. Do you hear me? If he spoke it, he will make sure that his word is performed. If he has to change laws, if he has to move heaven and earth, he's going to keep his promises to you. And that awareness gives you confidence when you have no other signals of change. All you know is the Lord said we're going to the other side. And you look at your spouse through weary eyes across the table and you're under more pressure than you've ever been in your life. And your husband looks you in the eye and said, baby, if God said we're going to the other side, to the other side we're going to go. I believe the Lord. Unshakable, I believe the Lord. God gave you his word. He'll keep his word. I love the visual image of the angel on the tomb, at the tomb of Jesus' resurrection, sitting upon the stone which he pushed back, the resplendent glory of God pulsing out of its created being through the fabric of his robe and spoke to the people looking in the tomb. He said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He got up just like he said. Just like he said. Everything that's recorded happened, but not everything that happened is recorded. I wonder what would happen if you got a sarcastic angel. Do y'all ever think like this? Are all of them just no personality? Isn't there one or two with a little edge to them, a little spunk to them? Wouldn't you think? Okay, God can create tens of thousands of flowers and less than 5% are fragrant, but all the angels are the same. Just broaden your mind a little bit. What if... What if one of them said, what is wrong with you people? I've watched him for a hundred million years. Everything he says happens. Everything he speaks come to pass. What are you doing looking in a tomb? He told you he was getting up. Just like he said. When you doubt his word, you give in to fear. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Number three, when you doubt God's leading. Kylie, would you go check on this? Someone's coming through the building back here. I know y'all might not hear it. It sounds like we're throwing a, a party back here. Psalms 30, uh, verse 37a. Y'all stay with me. There arose a great storm of wind. Mark that down in your Bible. There arose a great storm of wind. We doubt God's leading because God wouldn't lead us into storms, right? Fear comes when we doubt that the Lord is leading us. But the scripture is filled with the Holy Spirit driving Jesus into a wilderness. Leading us to places that we inquire, we, we experience great difficulty. Do you know why it troubles us? Because he didn't mention the storm. He said, let us go to the other side. That sounds innocent enough, doesn't it? Come on. You want to go? Let's go. That sounds melodic. Do you ever feel this way? How come you didn't mention that storm coming up? Okay, let us go to the other side. No problem. But he leaves those things out. And we doubt his leading because God doesn't lead into wildernesses, does he? God doesn't lead into storms, does he? God doesn't take the long way around, does he? You ever prayed for something? And you know, the shortest distance between A and B is what? Straight line. Does God use straight lines? Rarely. Does he with you? 
And when the Bible declares when God was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, he did not go through the land of the Philistines, although that was near. And took them all the way around. Listen, because their experiences in the long way around. And their experiences in the wilderness. And their experiences on the boat that change you. More change happens in difficulty than ever happens in ease. And we doubt God's leading because he's led us into difficult places. They doubted God's leading because of how quickly things had changed. How unexpected the storm was. How violent it was. How futile their efforts and how desperate their plight. The Holy Spirit, listen, write this down. Leads us based on cause, not comfort. God always has a plan. And we struggle because we think if the Lord loved us, he would lead us into ease. But God is preparing you for eternity. You're it. You're the most appreciable asset in the world. And God's not going to let you live a life of ease. He's shaping you and me for eternity. I just told you what I want to impart to my girls. You know what else I'm going to impart to them? Whining don't work. I told Kelly the other day, is it too early to try to, you know, to teach them? She goes, I don't think they'll quite understand it yet. Whining don't work. We're going to let you struggle. I'm not going to do your walking for you. We get that. You're going to do without some stuff. There's going to be some no. I grew up thinking my name was no. <laughs> Mama say no. I said, what? what? What did I do? And we know that some children, a life of ease helps them better. And the other one, you give them a little piece of rope, they want to be a cowboy. You got to go a little slower than that. Could it be that you're struggling with fear because you just can't grasp the idea that God would lead you through difficult waters? You don't hear this preached anymore, but I'm going to preach it right here. They used to tell you when you're going through difficulty and you go to older Christians and tell them about where you're struggling, they'd say, don't move. It's the making of you. Now you get three or four of them agreeing to touch the one thing and get you out and just get you out, get you out. Let's get out, let's get out. But maybe the Lord has you in this horribly difficult place to do, to do beautifully deep things in your heart. The old illustration, I heard old preacher say one time, he said, I was in the oven of God so long, I thought I'd die there. And I heard the oven door open. I said, glory to God, only to have him pull me out, flip me over to roast me on the other side. <laughs> oh, the Lord doesn't do that. I don't receive that. Hmm. I heard a preacher one time say, the Lord never says no. That was a sermon. I wanted to come up behind him and said, if he don't say no, he'll say no. He'll tell you no. <laughs> the Lord will lead you along the best pathway. And the best pathway is rarely the easiest pathway. Number four, we fear when we doubt his awareness and control. Waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. If God were in control, he wouldn't let it go this far, would he? Relentless storms beating into the ship in a full boat. 
This was not just any storm. It was unannounced. It was violent. It was relentless. It was dangerous and it was life-threatening. Have you ever felt this way? God can't be watching this because if he were watching this, he'd have done something about it. Y'all are just staring at me this morning. Has anyone experienced this? Where you go, Lord, are you aware at all? And if you're aware, are you in control? Because if he were in control, wouldn't he have stopped this? Why would he let that last wave hit with such velocity? Why would he let my boat take on water faster than I could bail it? What do full boats do? Okay. So the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. If I was on a full boat of water, I've stopped rowing and I'm bailing. Anybody with me? So we got at least 12 bailing with Jesus, at least. And the water was coming in faster than 12 men could bail out a small fishing boat. Surely God has lost control or he's not aware. Because if he were aware and in control, he would have done something about it. Let me give you these verses. Psalms 34, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry and the Lord hears them and delivers them out of all their trouble. Many are the afflictions of righteous people, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. But my favorite part is that first one. The eyes of the Lord are always on the righteous. He that keeps Israel does not slumber nor sleep. Psalms 121. Second Chronicles 16 says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth just to show himself strong on behalf of the one whose heart is perfect towards him. And Luke 12, Jesus said, but the hairs of your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. Why would he tell us the hairs of your head are numbered? Don't be afraid. How does that bring me encouragement that he knows not only how many hairs I have, but they all have numbers? Fellas, at the rate we're losing hair, that's a job. In every hairbrush. So the Lord doesn't just know that I've got 17,203 hairs. He knows that number 44 just fell out. 78 just fell out. 1,013 fell out. And then I had a couple of sprigs that may not make it, but they're trying to come in. We give them a half a number. Why would he say that? He that hath an ear, let him hear this. I'm current with you. You ain't got to update me in your prayer closet what happened. I'm current with you. I am up to speed with you. So when you come into my presence, don't tell me what's going on. Tell me what you believe to be true about me and cast your care on me because I care for you. I'm current for you. I'm aware and in control. Fear comes when you doubt his divinity. In verse 38, listen to what the disciples said. Master. They called him master, which means teacher, instructor. If I'm on a full boat, I'm not looking for a teacher or an instructor. I'm looking for God Almighty, El Elyon, the Most High God, Jehovah God. And see, in your boat, if you don't view him as God Almighty, 
It'll come out in your words and attitudes. They viewed him as different than they were, but just not God. Their Jesus was an influence, but not the sovereign in their life. Jesus had a voice, but he was not the voice. He had a say, but not the final say. He could exhibit great power, but to them he wasn't the source of all power. In a nutshell, they saw him differently than they saw themselves, but they saw him far from being almighty God. What do you call God in your greatest hour? Anything short of God Almighty, fear will rush in like a flood. But to the one that sees the Lord, they understand that God can come out and step on nothing and do anything he wants at any time. Just a couple more and I'll let you go this morning. Fear comes in because they doubted his love. Look at verse 38, part C. They said, carest thou not? Carest thou not? This is your pastor's opinion. This is the cruelest thing ever spoken to Jesus Christ, including the crucifixion. Cruelest. Most painful thing ever spoken to him was these words. Because those 12 knew him. I can't imagine my little girls growing up or my wife in a moment of turmoil or life-threatening situation saying, don't you even care for us? You would reduce me to an absolute failure that I've lived in such a way that you could ask me, don't you care? Fear comes in when you are not absolutely convinced of God's love and care for you. Because if you love and care for me, you will come for me. And you will help me. This is probably the most profound thing I'm going to read this morning. And it's just for a few of you. But I want it to go deep in your spirit. You may have eternal life. Without knowing the love of God by believing in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. But you cannot live without knowing it. You can have life. But you can't live here without knowing God's great love for you. You may have peace without knowing God's love for you. You may have peace with God. But you will not have the peace of God without knowing it. I can have peace with God because of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. I can have peace with God, but not the peace of God that governs my heart and mind knowing that he loves me. You may have forgiveness by believing what God did for you through Christ, but you will not live fearlessly till you know why he did it. Let me tell you why he died for me. Because he loves me. He takes care of me. There shouldn't be a carest thou not in your vocabulary. When someone offers the question, do you care or they just act like God doesn't care? This is what they're saying. In the absence of your love and care for me, I must worry to get by. In the absence of your love and care for me, I must worry to get by. Christians who do not live in the awareness of the love of God self-medicate with worry. 
That's strong. Christians who do not live in the awareness of the love of God self-medicate with worry. If the Lord is my light and my salvation, why should I ever be afraid? You know how I know God's going to come through for me? Because He loves me. And even when I didn't have the strength to go forward, He loved me anyway. He got too much invested in me to lose me. If your theology was to falter on every point, don't let it falter on the fact that God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son. And if we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son while we were enemies, how much more now being reconciled shall we be saved by the life of God? Number seven, fear comes in when we doubt His power. They said we perish. Fear is a matter of the heart, processed by the mind, fueled by our emotions to the disgrace of our spirit. They came to the conclusion that we were going to die. When you go ahead of your situation by assessing it honestly and decree a negative report, fear will rush in because you have decided your own destiny. We doubt his power because we think he is weak. We think he's weak because our faith is weak. Weak faith trembles in dangerous times. Weak faith trembles at the point of human limitations. Weak faith forgets that Christ is present. Weak faith forgets the many things in its history that should have made it great faith by now. And weak faith speaks out its unbelief in accusations, negative tones, and fatalistic conclusions. Don't you care that we're dying? We are going to die, past tense. Weak faith may look at the situation, I mean, faith can look at a situation and say, it's bad enough to kill us, comma, not a period. So God, what are you going to do to show your glory this time? Bad enough to ruin us. So, oh Lord, what are you going to do? Your pastor prays like this sometimes. Flex for him, Lord. Show him. Show him. To you I look. Flex for him, Lord. Show him your strength. I'll pray like this sometimes. If our musician would come, please. I'll pray, I'll say, like you blew open the Red Sea with the burst of your nostrils. Breathe on my life and show him, Lord. Show him your power. I'm the little boy, oh Lord, that wasn't supposed to live, remember? I'm the little boy that would never have the mentality of a three-year-old. Show him, Lord. I'm the one that they counted out. Show them, Lord. I'm the one that almost had a nervous breakdown. Show them, Lord. I'm the one that was cursed. Show them, Lord. I'm the one they prophesied over and said, God's finished. Show them, Lord. I believe, O oh Lord, that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or think. Show them, Lord. But if you're of the mindset we perish. Oftentimes, God will let you. He did not many mighty works because of unbelief. In his grace, he didn't let them go under. I think the reason he came through for them, because even though they had weak faith and little faith, bordering on no faith, they came to him. We perish. Where did you get that information from? By assessing my situation and my limitations and your active in, 
your lack of involvement, I came to the conclusion that this is what's going to happen. I feel in my spirit, this is not in my notes, that some of you need to rewrite this chapter you're living because you're prophesying your own doom. You need to rewrite it by faith. You may be honest and say, I have no idea how this is going to go down, but I'm putting my trust in the Lord and I'm not doubting His power. And finally, God dealt with their fears. Jesus said, why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? He addressed these fears because if he did not, it would hinder their life and disqualify them from their purpose and calling. He addressed their fears by traveling with them. He addressed addressed their fears through repetition and process. By demonstration of great power. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Great calm. So imagine Jesus the God-man asleep in the back part of the ship. Little fishing boat. Most commentators agree it would hold about 15, 18 people. So if it's the point of dying on this boat, this boat is up and down. And Jesus is asleep. Asleep. And sometimes we feel like God is asleep and not helping. So they awoke him. How don't you care that we perish? He's We'll deal with that in a minute. Okay. Hey. Nature. Remember me? The creator. Quit. And not only did the storm stop. Hey guys on the lake. When the wind stops. If you're in a storm. It takes hours for the water to stop. And there's this great calm. And he turned to them and said. Why are you so fearful? No faith. When the greatest object of faith is this close to you. No faith. When you watched me, you know me. You know what I'm capable of. No faith. And they just were quiet. And he didn't say it, but it happened in the Bible. He said, I'm going to root this out of you. I'm going to take you through so many tests and tribulations and trials. By the time you're done, you're going to sleep between soldiers. And you're going to come out of beatings and flogging saying, isn't it good to be accounted worthy to be beaten for the name of Jesus? I'm going to change you through process. And this is the word for some of you this morning. You're in process. You think God's trying to kill you in the storm and he's rooting out fear in your storms. And then my closing, which is my favorite part of all. End of the chapter, you read it and you close your Bible. No, read on, baby. Chapter 5, verse 1. And they came to the other side. Let us go to the other side. And they came to the other side. Just like he said. The issue is not are you going to make it. How are you going to make it? Are you going to make it timid and crying and being a bad commercial for the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you going to be one of those people you might have to wipe tears with one hand and worship with the other and say, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I believe that God is going to make a way for me. Amen. Can I give you this last story? It ties perfectly here. Again, I've told you this one before too, but it just fits. Preacher, world-renowned preacher. Grew up as a little boy with a large family. Very poor. Po, 
Not poor, poor. Couldn't afford an R. Poor, just nothing. When his father was away, he tells the story. He said, this was the turning point in my life as a little boy learning of Jesus. We had no food in the cupboard, no food in the kitchen, and mama set the table. Daddy was gone. I don't remember in the story where he was gone to. But his mama set the bread tray out, the meat tray out, the vegetable platters. She said, okay, boys, let's give thanks. Grab the hands around the table. He said, he looked at his little brother. He goes, mama's lost it. Mama's mama's lost it. And she said, he said, my, my mother closed her eyes and she said, father, I was once young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging bread. Thank you for feeding my babies. In the name of Jesus. There's a knock at the door. All the kids turn to the door. Praise the Lord, sister. The Lord woke me up this morning and told me to make you this. And he said, you think I'm making this up? Over a period of about 20 minutes, she waited for the next person to come to the door. The next person. And he said, they brought a chicken and some vegetables and bread. And he said, and, and when he preached this, it went way into my soul. He said, you think the meal is what touched me? He said, no. My mama wasn't surprised. She said, well, let's eat. And as a little boy, he said, I want that. You can have all the loud and the powerful and the polished. Give me that. That says, whatever happens my way, thank you, Lord, for taking care of me. Because you can't buy that with all the money in the world. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Some of us are addicted to fear. We are fearful. Full of fear. Now I'm not talking about experiencing fear. We all do. Would you really believe for an alcoholic to be free? A drug addict to be free? And you live bound? If you will confess your sin, your unbelief, and you reject it, and ask God to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, He'll grant it. God will not take your fear away. You must believe. You must believe for yourself. No one looking around. Just where you're seated, I want you to stand and say, I'm repenting today, oh Lord. If that's you, stand. Deliver me, Lord. No one looking around. I repent, oh Lord. God's going to forgive you. Forgive me, oh Lord. I reject my fear. I will believe in the Lord God who saved me. I will believe for you to take care of me and provide for me. I believe, oh Lord, that you're going to preserve me in tragedy and loss and trial. I don't want to be bound by fear anymore. No one looking around. Saints are receiving ministry of the Holy Spirit. Right now I see it. Once and for all, be free in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. For the glory of the Lord. Be free in Jesus' name. No fear. No fear. 
No fear. No fear. Would the rest of you join us? Stand. And I want you to close with a sincere prayer. I want you to speak it loud enough for God to hear it. For yourself to hear it. Nobody else has to. Don't think the thoughts. Pray it. I want you to tell him why you believe in him. I want you to pray. This is why I trust you. This is why I believe in you. I'm casting my care on you today. I trust you, Lord. With my most precious cargo, my wife and my babies, I trust you, Lord. Tell him. Honor him with it. I trust you, Lord. Because you're faithful. Because you're faithful. You keep your word to a thousand generations. You're always in control. You're always leading me. I trust you, Lord. Trust you, Lord. to the Lord. Saints, would you look this way just one more time before I dismiss us for this week? Don't forget tonight, prayer here at the church, five o'clock. Dying words are strategic. Have any of you ever been in the room with a dying relative? Have you? It's there's no more sober moment, is it? It's like, this is the last, it's the last thing. The last words my daddy ever told me. He cut my face in his hands. He goes, you know I love you, don't you, sugar man? I said, yes, sir. He goes, daddy go to hell for you. I love, love you. Wanted me to know. Like, get it. He's told me my whole life. I want you to know. I want you to know. So when the separation took place, the echo in my ear, he wanted me to know that I love you. Right before Jesus ascended to leave his church, you know what he said? You know what his words were when he talked to people? I will never leave you. Never. Never. Never forsake you so that we would have a confidence that the Lord is with us. Father, we just bless you this morning. We bless your word. We submit to it. Help us, O Lord, that we would honor you by believing. Believing in your promises, your power, your control, and your leading. And in your great care for us. Create within us, O Lord, a desire to live out faithfully and without fear the days of our life. May we honor your memory with a carefree existence. May we, may we live childlike, not childish, for the glory of your Son. And all God's people said, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.